for the past three months, is it three months? For the past two, two and a half months, we've been going through First John. First John, and we're looking at the, the, the series in First John, asking the question, am I really a Christian? Am I really a Christian? And we've looked at a couple of sermons for the um, past several weeks. Um, if, if, if you have not, let there be light. <laughs> if you have not um, heard some of the sermons, they are on the um, church's website and um, they are on some of the WhatsApp group as well. So uh, please let me know if you have not um, had some of the previous sermons so that you can be able to catch up and even connect uh, the message of First John to together. We're looking at First John chapter 4, verse 1 to 6 this morning. First John chapter 4, verse 1 to 6. And we're looking at it under the title, A Call to Discernment. A Call to Discernment. Let us take this time and pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, indeed it is a great joy to come before you to gather once again singing your praises. We thank you, Lord, how we often take these things for granted. But you show us, Lord, how important they are. You show us how essential they are to our walk with Christ. May we never, Lord, take such things for granted. May we see them indeed as a blessing from you and take advantage of every opportunity to gather with the saints. As we hear your word this morning, we pray that you also bless our hearts and open our minds. May you be glorified in every way. Help me in the declaring of your word this morning. For the sake of your name and your kingdom, I pray this. Amen. A call to discernment. One of the most dramatic moments in the Bible comes while Jesus was walking with his disciples near Caesarea Philippi. On the way, Jesus asked his disciples the question, Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 15? It's a penetrating question, isn't it? A great theological question. Who do you say that I am? Peter tends and says to Jesus, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, Blessed are you, Peter, son of Jonah. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. But then in a great twist of irony, a few verses later, a few minutes later actually, Jesus says to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Why? Why say that to Peter? Well, you remember that when Jesus spoke about his 
um, time that is coming to be crucified, to, to, to be treated with contempt by the rulers. Peter rebuked Jesus for the very same, but for the very reason he came to earth. Peter said it, may it never be, may, may something like that never happen, but he was forgetting that that is the reason Jesus came to earth. He forbid the Lord to go to the cross. Peter thought that he was speaking spiritual words. But he blindly wandered into the devil's camp. Satan deceived him at that moment. I want to say to you this morning, the potential to be deceived is real. It's happening. We see it here in First John. False prophets, antichrists, who emerge from inside the church are trying to deceive John's followers. They are teaching a new message, a new form of knowledge, a new type of Christ. The, these false prophets were leading them away from the apostles' message. And being deceived, some actually left. Remember we read... In chapter 2 verse 19 that some left the, the church, some left the fold of believers. How could they have been so easily deceived, you ask yourself? You see, the devil masquerades as an angel of light. And it's possible to mistake the devil's work for God's work. That there's a form of spirituality that is actually straight straight from the pit of hell. There's a form of light that is darkness. A form of truth that is falsehood. A form of Christ that is antichrist. These teachers claimed to be Christ followers. And that's what's so dangerous here. That they use spiritual language. They use Christian needs. They use language we all understand to cloak and cover their poisonous teaching. They use Christian language. They, they teach a kind of Christian message that's a lie. And if you're not discerning, you may believe that lie too. Who are we to place ourselves above Peter? Who are we to place ourselves above John's followers? Their shepherd was an eyewitness of Jesus. And some still went astray. Let me give you my sermon in a sentence. There are lots of false messages about Christ. So, test what you hear. There are lots of false messages about Christ. So test what you hear. Our exhortation this morning comes from the book of First John. First John chapter 4, verse 1 to 6. Let us read from God's word. First John chapter 4, verse 1 to 6. I read from the ESV. Follow me as I read from God's word. This is God's word. Let us hear him. 
Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and you have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. This is God's word. Amen. There are lots of false messages about Christ. So test what you hear. It's a real possibility to be led astray by false teaching. To be deceived by Satan. To mistake the truth about Christ for a lie. It's a real possibility. So there are three things this morning I want you to know. Three things that you need to know. First of all, I'll go on them one by one. First of all, be careful. Be careful. Teaching Christ doesn't make it Christian. Teaching Christ doesn't make it Christian. We see that in verse 1. In verse 1, Beloved, do not be deceived. Do not not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. You see, the world is filled with messages about Christ. It's, It's full of prophets. It's full of teachers and spiritual gurus. People claiming to be from God, or at least claiming to know the way to Him. That there's a hidden agenda, a hidden danger. That's why we must be careful. John says in verse 1, as we read, that they should not be, they should not believe every spirit. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. In, in verse 1, we see first of all, that many falsely claim to speak for God. There are many people who falsely claim to speak for God. John says many false prophets have gone out into the world. Spirituality is the hot topic of any age And it is the hot topic of our age Have you heard people saying I'm not Christian I don't go to church but I'm spiritual The world is filled with spiritual teachers Who speak for God Some even use biblical language Some even say Christ is their guide And that's what's so deceptive About these teachers They teach a type of knowledge They teach a type of Christ. And this cuts right to the heart of of modern day spirituality, doesn't it? Let me give you some examples. I'll start with um, examples in the West and then examples in our show. First of all, Oprah. Very famous, isn't she? Famous, influential. This is what she says. Jesus did not come to teach us how divine he is. 
but to teach us that divinity is uh, divinity was within us. In other words, there's nothing special about Jesus. There is what we call, secondly, the imagined church. It's, it's starting to spread, even in South Africa. The, the leader of the imagined church is Brian McLaren, a central leader of this movement. He says this, listen to this. He says, I don't believe making disciples of Jesus must equal making adherence to the Christian religion. In other words, to him, you can be a disciple of Jesus and continue to be a Muslim. You can be a disciple of Jesus and continue in the Hindu religion. Let's come back to our show, right? There's a man who is now spreading his teaching online, Joshua Maponga, a seventh-day rogue Adventist who is spreading his belligerent teaching about Jesus being a symbol of European oppression of the black population. In a YouTube video, he's asked by the lady interviewing him, the lady says to him, do you believe that Jesus died for us? And by us, she means black people. His answer is this. The day I will see a white man dying for a black man, then I will believe in a white Jesus dying for black people. As far as I'm concerned, the black man is still hanging on the cross, surrounded by the two thieves on the left and on the right. These are the Europeans and the Chinese who are busy crucifying Africa on the same cross. I believe that that needs a, a response, doesn't it? It needs a response, but I'll not give it now I'll, for the sake of, of time. Of course, this to some extent, what he's saying is a response to another false idea of Jesus. Though the response itself is, is flawed, there are some indeed who have presented Jesus as a white blue-eyed man and used this image to subjugate and oppress those who look different from them. It is true, right? These are false ideas. The, 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 the African liberation movement is a false idea. But again, the white oppressive movement is a false idea. They both need to be rejected. These ideas need to be vehemently, emphatically rejected. We haven't even mentioned the more obvious false teachings, right? Like Mormons, like Jehovah's Witnesses, or the African traditional religions. False teaching about Christ is everywhere. You see talk show, talk show hosts, right? They are spreading it. Social media influencers. Even, even psychiatrists are spreading these kind of belligerent teachings about Jesus Christ. Even more scary, it comes from leaders who have emerged from the evangelical world. 
leaders who once held to historical biblical doctrines of the faith, but have turned away from them. Do you see the subtle or not so subtle uh, commonalities in their message? This is the answer to who Jesus is from them. To, 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 if, if Jesus were to ask them, who do you say that the Son of Man is? They wouldn't answer according to the Bible. Their portrait of who Jesus is, is clearly separate and clearly contrary to the Bible. It is not even close. You see, lies about Christ come from everywhere. As John says here. John says, secondly, um, in verse 1 there, he says that we should not believe every teacher. We should not believe every teacher. John is calling us to discernment, right? To be discerning. False teachers come with winsome messages. If they, are obvi- if they were obviously false, John wouldn't need to warn us. But what does he say in verse 1? Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see whether they are from God. <clears throat> you need to learn an important lesson about false teaching. Antichrists sound scary, but sometimes he looks pretty. He looks attractive. The message they teach often sounds really good. Messages are filled with beauty, with goodness, with truth. In fact, Charles Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon says that discernment is not the ability to tell right, uh, uh, um, wrong from truth. It is the ability to tell truth from almost truth. The danger is hidden. It's disguised. So you must remember what the Bible says. Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise of his servants also who disguise themselves as servants of righteousness in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 14 and 15. Don't judge a book by its cover. Isn't that what we say? There's a saying, I'll give you the, the subtitles. There's a saying in, in Sepedi that says, In other words, don't see something that looks sweet from afar because inside of it, it's bitter. Not all that glitters is gold. Right? Not all that glitters is gold. Think about the fruit that Eve ate. It looked pleasing to the eye. It looked good for nourishment. But after one bite, the world, the whole world was plunged into deep darkness and rebellion against God. 
That's why she found it irresistible because it was attractive. But one bite plunged the world in sin. To avoid this fate, we must carefully test the spirits. We must carefully listen to what every teacher is saying. This brings us closer to our, uh, it brings us to our second point. Be discerning. We saw the first point, be careful, right? Second point, be discerning. In other words, test what you hear. Test what we, you hear. We see that in verse 2 and verse 3 and verse 5 and verse 6. In verse 2 to verse 6, John gives us a test to discern teaching that is from God and teaching that is from the Antichrist. The test has two components, two questions, right? The, 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 we, 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 we see, first of all, the, the, word, the word made flesh test, right? Who is Jesus the man? Who is Jesus the man? John cuts, cuts right to the heart of the matter. We, we return to Christ's question. The, the, the test is not uh, some kind of wishy-washy, gray-scaled kind of guesstimation about a teacher. We are not called to guess, right? <laughs> when Jesus Christ is saying, who do you say I am? He's not calling us to guess. It cuts right through the fluff and gets straight to the point. Who Jesus is. The man. Who is Jesus the man? It's a very specific test. We call it the word made flesh test. Look at verse 2 and verse 3. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus is every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the antichrist which you heard was coming and is and now is in the world already. John says every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. That is what you need to know about this test. If the Holy Spirit abides in you, you will affirm that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man. And so will any teacher who claims to be speaking for God. You must understand that nobody is disputing if Christ is God. They are disputing that Jesus, the man, is God. They are denying the divinity of the man, Jesus of Nazareth. And this is directly opposed to the message of the apostles, right? That's why John stresses the divinity of, uh, of Christ so plainly in this letter. Chapter 5, verse 20. Look at that. And he says, we, we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. In Jesus, in, in, in his son, Jesus Christ. Listen to this. He is the true God and eternal life. He, Jesus Christ, 
is the true God and eternal life. He's the true God. Scripture can't say it more plainly than this. Jesus is the true God. This is how we know the spirit of God from the spirit of the Antichrist. Everyone who has the Holy Spirit affirms this truth. Again, we see in chapter 2, verse, in, 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 in verse 2 and verse 3 of, 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 of that, um, of, of chapter 4. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. Why is denying the divinity of Christ such a big deal? The divinity of Jesus such a big deal. Why, why is denying it such a big deal? First of all, to deny Jesus is to deny the cross. To deny, secondly, to deny the cross is to deny sin. Thirdly, to deny sin is to deny God's judgment. Let me explain. If I was to ask you, what is our biggest problem as humanity? What would you say? This is what I would say. Our biggest problem in the world is God. All have sinned and are subject to God's judgment. His holy wrath. Scripture is clear on this. For the wrath of God is revealed is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of man. Romans chapter 1 verse 18. And the problem is we can't escape this judgment on our own. Psalm chapter 49 verse 7 to 8. Truly no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. For the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice. We are hopeless to repay God for the debt of sin. Only God can pay this debt. That's why God had to become man. God had to be, to, 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 to be man, to pay man's penalty. But that man had to be God to be able to pay that penalty. And so we read in the Bible, John chapter 1, verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we may be the righteousness of God in Christ. We read in, in, in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. And with his wounds, we are healed. If Christ bears no wounds, Christ bears no salvation. I hope that is clear. If Christ bears no wounds, Christ bears no salvation. But he bears our wounds, doesn't he? He he bears God's wrath, doesn't he? And so God holds out salvation to all who confess Jesus is God. God is our problem. That is the judgment 
that we deserve. And God is our solution. That is the payment for our sins. And this only works if God becomes man. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. And if you don't believe this, you don't believe the gospel. Nor is the Spirit of God in you. That the one who denies that Christ came in the flesh denies the only gospel that has the power to save. When you deny the incarnation of God, you deny the reality of sin. When you deny the reality of God's judgment, you deny the reality of the Son of God that He had to be nailed on the cross for His people. Who is Jesus? Jesus is God. That's the first part of the theological test. Now the second part of the test is who do you listen to? The apostles or false teachers? God or Satan? The Holy Spirit or the Antichrist? Who do you listen to? Verse 5 and verse 6 says, They are from the world, therefore they speak for the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever listens, whoever knows God, listens to us. He's speaking, John is speaking about himself. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. They don't want the truth. They don't want God's word. That they want to be told about their houses that are coming. They want to be told about their blessings that are coming. They want to be told that about, about healing that is coming. They don't want God. Who are you listening to? Those who claim to be from God listen. To God's word. They teach God's word. Now, I'm well aware that John is referring to the message of the apostles here. Not scripture per se. But the apostles' message was in the process of being recorded and collected. As is the, clo- as is very, the very case of the letter we are reading here. The point is this. Those who listen to the apostles, our Lord and our Lord, are the true children of God. Scripture is collected, writings of God's apostles and prophets. The church is built on this, isn't it? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20, we are built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets. Apostles and prophets. We, the, 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 the prophet is speaking about the Old Testament revelation that was written and revealed to the, 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 the prophets and the New Testament that was written and revealed to the apostles. We are built on the foundation of scripture. When it says on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, it is not speaking about the individuals because the individuals are dead. It is speaking about the revelation of God to them that was recorded and was passed on to us. 
The apostles were eyewitnesses from the beginning. Notice how John refers to the teaching here. It is the teaching that is from the beginning. He uses that phrase seven times in this letter. John is a traditionalist. He sticks to the message once delivered. He is not trying to make up messages as they come. He sticks to the truth once for all delivered by Christ. And so does any teacher who abides in the spirit. But the Antichrist teaches a different message. They teach a different message. Let me attempt to paint a picture of the kind of message John opponents were, were teaching. Listen carefully. See if any of this sounds similar to what we've already quoted. Remember those two, there's those four quotes. Most scholars believe that John was battling what, what, what an issue that was called, <clears throat> it might be a big word, but listen. The teaching that John was battling when he wrote First John is called proto-Gnosticism. Proto-Gnosticism. The, the word gnosis, so proto means first, right? Uh, first Gnosticism. In other words, it was in its um, gestation phase. It was um, in the first phases. Right? Gnosis is the Greek word for knowledge. Gnosticism would emerge in the second century as a major heresy. So, so it was growing. It was like gangrene. It was spreading. Right? So it, it, it emerges in the second century as a major heresy. This heresy had its roots in John's day and came to full bloom in the decades to follow. One of their main works is ironically entitled The Secret Book of John. So these people claim to have a secret knowledge, right? A secret truth. It teaches a very different type of knowledge and a very different Christ. Their message is strikingly similar to the kinds of things you hear in Western spirituality, African liberation spirituality, Eastern religion, and so on. Their message is this. They say the God of the Bible is an evil lesser God than the fullness. They call him the fullness. They, they, their referral to the supreme being is that he is the fullness. In other words, they say, don't believe what the Bible says. Jesus is the spirit guide to lead enlightened people back to the fullness. Right? For an example, um, what Joshua Mapongo says, says Africans must unshackle themselves from this idea of the European Jesus and go back to their roots. Right? This is, this is what is being taught. This is what is infiltrating the minds of people today. Jesus, they say, is not to be worshipped, but is to be followed. Right? Do, do, do you see this subtle, subtle, uh, you know, poisonous uh, teaching? He's not to be worshipped. But it's to be followed. All people, you and Jesus, have the divine spark of God. And you must look within yourself. You must look within yourself. Now compare this with what the emergent church leader 
Tony Jones says. This is what he says. He says, we are all caught up in the divine mystery we call God. That the spirit is in everyone. And that there are depths of interpretation <coughs> yet to be plumbed. And the cathedral, we break, at the cathedral, the cathedral is their, their church. We break the bread for those who follow the path of Buddha and walk the path of the Hindus. Let me explain that. He says, you know, we, in this journey in life, we are caught up in, in, in this divine being and the spirit is in everyone. The, the Holy Spirit is in everyone. Whether, whether Christian or not, the Holy Spirit is in everyone. And um, revelations that we have, uh, we will never, never understand anything in it. We will never, so we should never claim to know the truth. Right? We should never say, according to First Timothy chapter 3, that says the, the church is the, is the, the, the bulk work of the truth. We, 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 we should never claim such a thing. We should never say that the word of God is the truth of God. We should never say that. And so, when you see someone who is a Hindu, or you see someone who is a, an African traditional religion follower, you should, not, you should never evangelize them. Evangelism, according to this movement, according to the Joshua Mapongas, the Tony Jones, the Brian McLaren, and the Oprah's, evangelism is neo-colonialism. You're colonizing people. <laughs> we are all colonized in some way. You're colonizing people. Stop it. Noticeably, there is a striking shift in the direction that truth is found. John is teaching that truth is external. But these false teachers are saying truth is internal. It's in you. For example, Matthew Fox says, one way to kill the soul is to worship a God outside of you. So in other words, in order for your soul to live, you must worship the God inside of you. You are born with a God nature inside of you. So you must look within. What a lie. This is how the truth of God, the spirit of truth and the spirit of error can be, can be told apart. First of all, let, 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 let's talk about the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth talks about the external Christ, right? Jesus is God. It's, it talks about the external uh, um, word. The Bible is true. Now, the spirit of error says there's an internal Christ. Everyone is Christ in their own way. The spirit guide, right? The internal word. The truth is found in you. I want to pause here for a moment. We have been drinking deeply from the well of truth claims. And perhaps you are starting to make some connections, so I hope I'm not losing any of you. Thinking about some of the spiritual practices you've heard about and, and now look a little questionable. I'm not sure if you have been exposed to or are aware of certain f forms of prayer and meditation practices that some evangelical leaders are pushing. The practices that have, have you look deep within yourself to hear what the Spirit might be saying. 
looking for answers beyond scripture that are, that are found in, 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 in listening in silence, right? Others say that you have to have deeper communion with God. You must be by your, for you to have deeper communion with God, you must be by yourself in deep meditation alone. They want you to let go of your thoughts and open up to the spirit. There they say you will perceive God in deeper ways. There are teachers even in evangelical circles that will try to get you to do this stuff. But here's the truth. The, the practices they teach are straight from, from, from those like the Gnostics and Eastern mystics. It's swimming in the headwaters of Antichrist. True spirituality is always rooted in the truth of God's word. It is something outside of us. Biblical meditation, right? Biblical meditation, listen carefully, is always on the truth of scripture. Not some mystical inner voice. You don't empty yourself and remain empty. You fill your mind with God's word and God's truth. Biblical prayer is always that which looks to scripture for guidance. Right? Remember Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not, whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates when? Day and night. It's not emptying your mind to hear an inner voice. The true spirituality is found through prayerful reflection on the word of God. Those who abide in the spirit listen to the message of God's word. Let me pause here, right? Um, Because I think I've been going for a long time. Let me pause here and then we'll continue next week. But are you seeing what we see in God's word here, right? There's a call to to be careful, right? There's a call to to be discerning because there are there's false teaching and false teachers that is spreading like gangrene everywhere. It is spreading and in fact, unfortunately, it is infecting God's children. So we are called to discernment, to be careful and to be discerning. May God bless the preaching of his word, the hearing of his word. And may God plant his word deep in your heart. Amen. Our dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and God, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you are a God who speaks clearly to us. You're a God who is never silent, but who calls us to listen, who calls us to obey who calls us to walk in your ways. Moreover, who gives us the Holy Spirit to listen, to obey, and to walk in your ways. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' blessed name, amen.